Hey, this is Pastor Chris Jane, and I want to thank you for listening to the Hope Church Sermon of the Week. For more information, check out our website, brhope.church. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Enjoy. I'm so, I'm so excited. You know, usually this time of the year, you start slowing down, you start winding down, you kind of, you know, especially, I mean, in my business, um, that's sort of how we always, that's kind of how it goes. You know, the phone gets quieter and you don't have as much to do. The days get shorter and you just think, well, next year I'm going to, right? Or I'm going to get things together because this next year, you know, that's sort of how it feels. But I'm not feeling that way this year. Instead, I feel revitalized to finish strong, to finish this year strong. We'll, we'll let next year, you know, care for itself. But I want us all to remember, it is, this year is not over yet. All right? I don't know. That's maybe a prophetic word for somebody. This season is not over yet. We're just getting started. So f- have plans not for what's next. Have plans to finish strong I don't know where that came from, but amen. amen. On, the, on the sign on the door, it says, Happy Fall, that little pumpkin thing. Uh, it's beginning to look a lot more like Christmas out there. It's slippery this morning, too, but, um, but praise God, we're, we're all here. And, and uh, I just, yeah, I guess I just, as we get into this year, I just want to invite you to go deeper, like get even further into this thing. You know, it's not the time to kick back and wait for, wait for next year to come. Let's get even deeper into it this year, okay? All right, that's free. You can put that in your pocket, take it with you. Oh, I'm just feeling like harvest, 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 harvest. Hey, if you're fairly new around uh, Hope Church, and um, I won't I won't just look at this. Not many of you that are. But you guys know that we've been going through the Gospel of Mark in a, in a very slow and deliberate way, right? We, um, we know that, that Mark was written to an oral culture who, you know, very few could read. So it was told as a story uh, all at one sitting. From chapter 1 to, to chapter 16, instead it's taken us a year you know, of, of this very deliberate look. Uh, and, and today we're going to finish uh, chapter 6, so we're not even quite halfway there. But I love when you slow down, because you can speed read through the Bible like, like anything else, but when you slow down, I think it gives you an opportunity to, to put yourself in the, the shoes, into the place, and see how it applies how, you say, can, are you allowed to do that? Yes, you're allowed to do that. These, God, these were written as, as an example for us. Amen. Amen? So, you know, it gives us an opportunity to look for, okay, what is God saying? What is he inviting us into? Right? And, and when, when you, I think probably the advantage that they had when they heard it all in one setting, just like when you watch an, a movie, you watch it from start to finish. You don't watch it one minute at a time. You watch the whole thing. And because you do that, you get to see themes, right? You see the themes develop across a movie. And the theme of this gospel is that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the theme we've been, we've been seeing. This theme that we're in now is Jesus is the Son of God. Mark uh, makes it very clear. He starts his gospel by saying, this is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Right from the bat. And then, and then episode by episode, he is reinforcing that fact, isn't he? 
that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the main thing that he's trying to get across. Now, we're going to see in about chapter 8, we'll see a new theme of discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus. But for now, we're still in this theme of, of who is Jesus. And uh, we're going to see that, uh, that over and over again, he keeps reinforcing this. He's, he's saying, you know, that... Um, you know, only God can forgive sins, but we see Jesus forgiving sins, don't we? And only God can uh, heal sick bodies, but Jesus is healing sick bodies. Only God can raise the dead. Only God has authority over the wind and the waves and nature. And we see Jesus, you know, t- doing all of these things, proving over and over again that he is who he says he is. And another theme we see is journey. It seems like Time and time again, we see Jesus and the disciples, they're going from this town to that. They're getting in the boat again. They're, they're going over here. You know, it's a journey He's from place to place. And, and uh, I think, you know, along with what I was saying a few minutes ago, I feel like we're all on a journey. We all get to decide how far you'll go. How fast, how high, how far will you go in this journey? It's totally up to you. I think Jesus is inviting you closer, further, deeper. But it's up to you, isn't it? I feel good today. (laughs) I feel good today. You know, um, if you've got your Bibles, you can open to Mark chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse uh, 45. I'm going to read it for you. It says, After everyone had their meal, Jesus instructed his disciples to get back into the boat and go on ahead of him and sail to the other side to Bethsaida. So he dispersed the crowd, said goodbye to his disciples, then slipped away to pray on the mountain. As night fell, the boat was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. The wind was against the disciples and he could see that they were straining at the oars trying to make headway. When it was almost morning, Jesus came to them walking on the surface of the water, and he started to pass by them. When they all saw him walking on the waves, they thought he was a ghost and screamed out in terror. But he said to them at once, Don't yield to fear. Have courage. It's really me. I am. Then he came closer and climbed into the boat with them, and immediately the stormy wind became still. They were completely and utterly overwhelmed with astonishment because they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle of the loaves, and their hearts were unwilling to learn the lesson. Hmm. So just for a little context, remember that just before this, Jesus was on a mission to get some rest. Do you remember? The disciples and he, they'd been ministering so fervently and so diligently that they hadn't even had time to have a meal. And so he said, come, let's, let's get away from everything for a little bit. You know, it's good for you to rest. But that's not what happened, right? Instead, the crowd saw where they were going, they beat them to it, and when he saw them, he, he ran away. No, <laughs> he didn't run away. He didn't say, would you get out of here and leave us alone? You know, we're trying to rest. No, he instead it says he, he had compassion on them and he taught them. And, and uh, it wasn't even just a short teaching. He taught all day because it was late when finally they decided uh, 
that, they, that Jesus should send everybody home. But instead, Jesus asks them, how are we going to feed these people? How are you going to feed these people? And you know what happened? A little boy gave up his little bit of lunch, and Jesus took a little bit of bread and some fish, and he blessed it and broke it, and they gave out so much food that everyone was satisfied. And that word means like they were stuffed to the gills. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Uh, and, and so much so that they actually collected 12 baskets afterward. You know? It's good to rest. You know, again, I'm preaching to myself. I, I uh, you know, last week Rhonda had some very nice things to say about me. And as she was describing the first time that we had met or come across each other, I didn't really recognize that guy. You know? I didn't really feel like that person that she was talking so glowingly about. And in fact, it's been a while since I felt like that guy. You know, I have not been, I have not been a good steward of my time, of my secret place time with the Lord. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who knows how important it is to have quiet, to have a secret place with the Lord? It's one of the most crucial things you could possibly, possibly do. It's so important and yet so difficult, isn't it? Hell will throw everything it has at stopping you from having that time, won't it? And that's what was happening with me. This summer, I'm just going to be real with you guys. I felt, I felt so dry and so, like I just had nothing for you. I have nothing, nothing to give anybody. Just kind of burnt out and, and feeling like I was quite distant from, from the throne room and from, um, from the Lord, from the, the Holy Spirit. That's how I've been feeling. And so after last week, and, uh, you, know, you know, Rhonda reminded me of how much I was missing out on because I had not, you, you know, you guys know I've, I've always had like a, a morning, since we decided to get disciplined and kind of take control of our, of our lives and our health, I've always had a morning discipline, a morning routine that involved praying, reading my Bible, journaling, exercising. But it seems like when something has to give, it's the prayer, it's the reading, it's the journaling. And instead, I, I, oh, there's only time for the gym this morning. There's only, you know, uh, and that's not good, you know. <laughs> First Timothy, maybe four, says something about exercise has some value, but, but your spiritual exercise, you know, yeah, yeah, yes, physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise so much more because it gives you life now and forever, right? Yeah. So I was reminded that I have been failing you because I'm not taking care of me. You can't, you know, I could get up here and I could do this on I, you know, probably could do it for the rest of my life, never speak a word between myself and the Father. He's given me gifts that can carry me. I could get up and sing five songs every week, and you probably would enjoy them, you know. Uh, that would be fine, but I can't do this. I don't have a gifting for this. This is, you know, and if I'm not taking care of myself, I don't have anything extra to give. And when you start giving out of barely enough, it's dangerous leads to a lot of problems, doesn't it? I'm just being real with you. I haven't even gotten into my sermon. I just hope 
I hope I can just be honest with you guys. So I, I decided uh, Tuesday to go down and visit Pastor Kevin. And it been, it's been too long since I've seen him. And um, he's been caring for his dad, who just passed away last Wednesday. I'm sure you guys probably saw that online. If you don't know who I'm talking about, uh, Pastor Kevin Berry is my pastor. He's our head pastor uh, at Mount Hope Church in Lansing. We are a daughter church of theirs. And um, they are praying for you guys all the time. And, um, but I had put off, I have opportunities to go, but it's, you know, it's a couple hours each way and I'm busy. And so I'd put off the last several opportunities to spend time with them. And so uh, Tuesday, I, went, I set this whole day aside to just go and spend time with him. And uh, I was able to spend time with, uh, with Pastor Joe Mead and um, with uh, Pastor Peter, who preached to us a few weeks ago on the video. And, and I got to spend a lot of time with, with Pastor Kevin and um, just uh, so generous and such a godly man, so much reminds me of Pastor Richard Crisco, just like men I really look up to and, and um, can hold up as an example of what godly righteousness looks like. And, um, and he, was, uh, he just reminded me of, of how important it is to, you know, to have that, that personal devotion, to have that, that secret place, time. And, and just as we see Jesus' example in Scripture over and over again, it was always his practice to rise early, go away someplace quiet, and pray, right? And we see this today even after, first off, he was trying to get some rest. That didn't happen. He ends up teaching all day, performs this incredible miracle, and then even then doesn't rest. He doesn't take a nap. He sends them on ahead and he goes and he prays all night because it says it takes them all night to, uh, they didn't even get where they were going, you know, but all night he's praying, just him and the Father on a mountaintop. And so I really believe that, that God is inviting us to live at a higher level. There's more than this, okay? There's more than, than what we've had. And I believe the disciples were living life at another level, right? I mean, after everything they'd seen and done, how could they possibly just go on normal, like a normal life? You know, they went from being fishermen to being fishers of men, right? They went from working on the water, you know, now we're going to see Jesus walking on the water, you know, they went for, from just working for a living, now they're working for a mission, right? They're working for a purpose, they went from looking at the world to looking into the eyes of the one who made the world. I mean, they had to just be ruined for normal life. Don't you think? So as we dig deeper, I, I, I want us to, to respond to that invitation to live at a higher level. And so I've got, I've got four things for you that I think will allow you to do that. And the first one is you've got to find your mountaintop. You've got to find your quiet place your time of encounter. It's not going to come to you. You have to, you got to make time for it. You have to go to it, right? Verse 46 says, After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. 
Now, I get that it was a different time. There weren't any channels to flip through or emails to answer, not even light bulbs to turn on. You know what I mean? So we'll give it, I'll give you that. It was a little, bit, a little bit slower. But I think that's why we need to be even that much more intentional about finding quietness. It's so important. I think in 2018, the Lord is inviting us to times of unusual encounter. You say, well, I don't get a lot of quiet time. I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm seeing patients all day. Or, or I'm a mom. I need patients all day. <laughs> My kids are driving me crazy. Wherever you find yourself, I'm just telling you, the encounter is worth it. Okay? It's worth being intentional about. Your encounter with God is worth being intentional about finding some quietness. Bob Sorg wrote this amazing book that I always go back to. Year after year after year, it's called Secrets of the Secret Place. It's a wonderful book. And in it, he, he says this when he's talking about this very thing, a, a secret place experience with God. He called it the greatest pearl of human existence is, is that personal, intimate, passionate, living relationship with the glorious creator of the universe. Isn't that good? Not just in the quiet, but in the midst of our loud, busy lives. There was that old commercial, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Tony, if that's the best part of waking up, you may as well go back to sleep. (laughs) If that's the best part of waking up, uh, I'd say just turn the alarm off and just go back to sleep. My best part of waking up is that I get to sit with Jesus. I get to have the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit as I open up um, God's word and, and he opens that word up to me. That's the best part of waking up, the quiet. I get up early, though. I know that's hard for some people, but um, I want to give you some practical ideas, some tips, some things you can do to find more quiet in your life. Even not, you know, but find God in all of your life. That's, I really want to encourage you that. It's not, you know, we got to start compartmentalizing our lives. You don't have a spiritual life and a practical life and a, a, a work life and a church life and a family life. No, you, you just have life. And we want to encounter God in all of it. And God wants to be in all of it. Wouldn't it be awesome if this week you could find God in the middle of an interruption? like we see in the story. I mean, they were looking for rest when the crowd just appeared. Let's see God in every interruption. Let's see God in every challenge. Let's see God in the struggles of everyday normal life. I've been, I find myself going back to this one verse a lot, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, and it's a picture of the Trinity, of the Godhead. It says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I pray that for you today. I pray that the grace of Jesus, that undeserved favor be with you, that no condemnation be with you, that the love of God, that out-of-this-world love that stepped into this world and had you in mind,
It's Ephesians 1, 4, I think, tells us that, that before the foundations of the earth were laid, he, was, he had you in mind. And I pray that the, that the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Isn't that fascinating? Don't you just have to know what that means? Fellowship, communion. That's the same word we see in Acts 2 when we see that the disciples devoted themselves to the disciples' teachings, to prayer, to breaking of bread together, and to fellowship, which in the Greek, it means a close, intimate, personal relationship, a partnership. Isn't that good? Whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, I'm in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Even in my everyday, normal life, I just pray that you would experience that at a whole new level, the friendship, that close, personal, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you'd experience that in the quiet times of life and in the loud, busy interruptions as well. So some practical tips. For me, getting up early has always, um, has always helped. Sometimes, especially lately, I find myself being woken up at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. That's too early. You know, I typically get up at 5, 5.30, but uh, lately when, when Noble kicks me at 2 o'clock in the morning, I've been just getting up, going out into the living room where it's quiet, and just sitting for a few minutes just to experience that quiet and see, you know, what the Lord might say. And, and then, you know, inevitably that usually I'll fall back asleep. But you know, try that. Try just taking advantage of, of what seems like an interruption or an inopportune time and just experience real quiet. Try turning the radio off in your car for like a month and just have quiet during those times. See what that's like. Try uh, limiting your speech for a day and listening. See what you might learn about yourself or about others. <laughs> Isn't that tough? Why don't you practice letting God use your lips to speak to you? It's crazy. Does that sound crazy? Try it. Try asking God questions. And allow him to, to use your mouth to speak his truth. Some of my favorite things that have ever happened in my walk with the Lord have been when he's used my lips to answer my own questions. You know. Another thing you can do is practice all day long having frequent bursts of prayer. We'll call it like flash prayer. You know, when just a, a surprise burst of prayer, you see somebody in another car, you just pray for them. You know, you see somebody at the store and just pray for them. They don't even, you don't have to put your hands on them. You don't have to reach out for them. Just pray for them. Just that way all day you're in this communion with the Holy Spirit. You're fellowshipping with God. And you know what that does? It makes you grateful. You've got this thankfulness going on all day because you're, you're praying for others. I don't know why, 
that happens, but isn't that true? Isn't that what happens? Whatever you have to do, find your mountaintop. Find your quiet place of prayer. The second thing I see in the story is that you have to know that Jesus sees your struggle and he comes to you. Isn't that good news? Verse 48 says, He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. When it says they're struggling, that word, that Greek, it's like a picture of torment. It's almost like what, how demons will torment a person. I'm not saying that the wind and the waves were like from the devil, but it's just a picture of how this isn't easy. They're really struggling. And this was serious opposition. It would normally only take about six hours to row across the lake. Here they've been at it all evening, all night, and they're only in the middle. If you're going to live life at a whole new level, you have to know that Jesus sees you. You have to know that in the midst of your struggles, he sees you and he comes to you. The creator of the universe sees you and he hears you. This is good news. I want you to see this because this is God's heart for you. He sees you and he knows what you're going through. That means that if you have cancer, Jehovah Rapha, your healer, sees you and he comes to you. If you don't know how you're going to make ends meet this month, Jehovah Jireh, your provider, sees you and is coming to help you. God, who's incomparably great, sees you. Incomparably, is that a word? Incomparably? Is that a real word? Incomparably. That doesn't feel right. But that's what he is in power. He's incomparable in power. He sees you and is coming to you. Isn't that good news? If you've lost a loved one and you're hurting, who's coming to you? God, the source of all comfort, sees you, knows what you're going through. God sees you. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you faced, everything you're going to face, and he comes to you. Amen. Uh, my brother Gabe and I used to fish a lot when we were younger. We grew up on Big Lake, and, and I remember one time we were out in the rowboat fishing, and uh, we had some like, crappie rigs, and we're doing pretty well, but this storm was coming in. It started to rain, and you know how you look and the sky looks like chocolate milk? You know, and it's like it's not even black, it's brown. And you know like a real storm is coming in. And so, I'm, you know, let's head in. Gabe starts rowing, and boy, the wind's just against us. We're not really making any progress. And he's really putting his back into it. He's, he's going and going. And I'm like, come, come on, man, come on. We got to get in here, you know. And then finally he's like, hey, did you pull the anchor up? Oh. It's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've got to do that still. <laughs> For everyone, it feels like you've been struggling You've been working really hard, but you're not getting anywhere. You know, either you've had a lot of movement, but no momentum, right? You've had a lot of action, but not a lot of traction. God sees you. He knows what the anchor is. He knows what you need, 
and he's coming to you. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water and they, they realized that it was him, because remember they thought it was a ghost at first, but when they realized it was Jesus, don't you think they had to be reminded of Job chapter 8 where it says that only God treads on top of the water? Once again, Jesus is doing what only God can do. Only God can forgive sins, and yet Jesus is doing that. Only God can heal sick bodies. Jesus is doing that. Only God has authority over nature. Only God can raise the dead. But Jesus is, is doing that. Don't you think that had to stir something up in them? This idea that anything is possible. Anything is possible for God. So take heart, friends. Don't be afraid. Take courage. The God who created with a word the God who even before the foundations of the earth were laid had his thoughts on you, Ephesians 1.4. He sees you and he comes to you. Jesus saw the disciples, he came out to them, and what's interesting is he intended to walk right by. Now, what's that about? Reminds me of um, uh, Luke 24, after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus meets these two guys, right? And they're, they're believers, they're disciples. And they don't recognize him. And he walks with them and, he, and they're talking about Jesus. And he says, what's, what's happened? What's going on? And they're like, are you kidding? Are you the only person who doesn't know what's been happening? And so they start telling him about Jesus, <laughs> which is great. And Jesus begins to walk them through the scriptures. Do you remember this? He's, he's explaining why everything had to happen exactly the way it did. And, but, and they have no idea who he is. And then it says when they arrived at their house, he intended to pass by, but they begged him. They begged him, stay and eat with us. And it was when, <laughs> and it was when he broke the bread and gave thanks. They knew it was the Son of God. And he was gone. He disappeared instantly. If you feel like Jesus is passing you by, friend, it might be time to just beg him to stop. Call out to him. Cry out to him like the disciples did. Exodus 33 has that story, and, and some scholars think that this might be why he intended to pass by them. If you remember, Moses begged God, let me see your glory. Let me see, let me see your face. And, you know, God told him you couldn't handle it. You know, your heart would stop instantly. But if I'm going to hide you in this cleft of the rock and I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. And here we see Jesus intending to walk on by. But Jesus sees you and out of his compassion, he turns and he comes to you. The third thing I see is that we've got, to, we've got to want it. We've got to be willing to go after the impossible. We get stuck in this limited thinking, and I think it's time for liberated thinking. We get stuck thinking that we're not enough, that we don't have enough, that we're not good enough. Instead, liberated thinking says, 
Everything he has is yours. Anything he's done is ours to do and even greater things. If we'll only believe. In, in the parallel story to this one, in, in Matthew's version of this story, we see Peter actually getting out onto the water too, don't we? It says in uh, Matthew 14, 28, it says, Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out with you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Every, everybody's terrified. They think it's a ghost. But when Peter heard Jesus' voice, he, he, he wasn't afraid anymore. He said, if you're doing that, I want to do it too. Call me out into this impossible thing. we got to be willing to get into the deep end this week, this year, today, the deep end of our relationship with Jesus to see what looks impossible and say, Lord, if it's you, you call me out there. I want to do it too. It says, but when he saw the strong wind in the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him, saying, You really are the Son of God. I think people focus on the, on the part about Peter sinking. You know, that he was afraid, that he doubted. But he was walking on the water... <laughs> Like, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, that's, sure, that's, that's Peter's story. He was afraid, then he had faith, then he was afraid again. It's, it's okay to be afraid when things look impossible, when things look scary, when you feel like you're getting called to something totally outside the box, totally uncomfortable. But we want to land on faith. <laughs> The fourth thing, the last thing, is that you've got to let Jesus in your boat. You want Jesus in your home. You want Jesus in your family. You want him in your business. You want him in your finances. You want Jesus in every area of your life. It says... Uh, in, in John's version, it says, then they were eager to let him in the boat. Uh-huh. <laughs> How funny is it that they let the creator of the universe, the son of God, into the boat. But when they did, immediately they arrived at their destination. What took them all night long of rowing hard and struggling, the minute they let Jesus in their boat, they were supernaturally transported and arrived at their destination. Divine acceleration. 
Same thing that happened in Acts chapter 8. Philip was baptizing the Ethiopian ruler. And when the Ethiopian ruler came out of the water, Philip was gone. He was divinely accelerated to a completely different city. And the ruler was praising God, and, and Philip went on preaching the, the, the gospel in the new city. The point is this, when you invite Jesus into every area of your life, you don't try to confine him to this area or this area. You just have life, and you say, Jesus, I, I want you in all of it. That's when you set yourself up for the possibility of divine acceleration. What took you so long, you can arrive at instantly. Now, why is it that Mark left out that part about Peter walking on the water? Because if you remember, Mark is Peter's account of the life of Jesus. Was he embarrassed? I wouldn't be. I mean, it's pretty cool. I think he knows that this is not about him. He didn't put himself into it. This book, the purpose of this book is to, is to show that Jesus is the Son of God. The purpose of the book of John was signs, all the signs. But Peter, I think, knew that what was important was that Jesus was walking on the water because Jesus is God's son. So I want to encourage you and I want you to raise your level of expectation and I want you to expect some divine acceleration in your life. Expect things that took a long time. Expect things to begin to speed up for you. Now let's finish up this chapter with the last three verses. It said, When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret, and they moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. So here's Jesus, tired, exhausted. The disciples are exhausted. Not only did they not get to rest, they've been working hard all night, and now they land and they're right at it again, and we find Jesus doing what he's always doing, giving away his life for somebody else, putting the needs of others before his own, Says crowds came out of nowhere. Why? Because they had the healer with them. The disciples and the people had seen Jesus do the impossible. They'd seen all the signs that pointed to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. They saw sick bodies made well, lepers healed, the dead raised. He can command a storm with a word, and it stops. And now he's walking on top of that same water. With Jesus, anything is possible. And friend, I want to encourage you, with Jesus in your boat, anything is possible for you. James 5 gives us the regular practice for healing in the local church. It says that if you're sick, you call for the deacons and elders of the church. They'll anoint you with oil. They'll lay their hands on you. They'll pray the prayer of faith, and you will be made well. And so I just want to invite you, if you've got a sickness in your body and you need a healing touch, Jehovah Rapha, your healer, is here today. 
He's the, he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. And he gave us a pattern for how healing takes place in 2018. But friend, the biggest sickness you have in your body is, is, is sin. You must be born again. Mark's gospel begins with Jesus preaching this, repent and believe. Repent, turn away from where you've been. Believe that Jesus is all you need. Believe that his sacrifice is enough to cover for everything that you've done and secure your place with him for eternity. We're called to do three things, repent, believe, and follow, right? The only person who can make that decision is you. It's not enough simply to repent, turn away. It's not enough simply to believe. The devil believes. Demons believe. We're called to follow. As we keep going in the book of Mark, we're going to see more and more what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Have you received him? Have you really received him? John 1.12 says, As many received him, he gave them the power to become children of God. And I'm not asking if you just want to go to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Will you follow him? So I'm going to just have this, this area open. If you or someone you care about has a need, if it's a physical need, a financial need, if it's a spiritual need, if you've got people you love who need to be born again, if you need to be born again, I want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. We're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray a prayer of faith, and we're going to believe that nothing's impossible for you with Jesus that you will be made well, that we will see this year your family and friends begin to come into the, into the kingdom. That those that you've been praying for for so long, it feels like you've been struggling and struggling, that suddenly that time will come, that, that there will be divine acceleration in your family, in your friends, and that you will begin to see the fruits of all that hard work. Will you stand and pray with me? And then I don't want you to wait around. We're going to have, we're here for a purpose, and that's to pray with you. And so please don't walk out of here with a need that, that could be taken care of with the, with the creator of, of all things who sees you and is coming to you. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we believe that you sent your son into this world because there was no way that I, that we, could possibly atone for sin. That you needed a plan big enough to secure our place in heaven. That you sent your son to, to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, and to die once and for all for, for sin so that we don't have to live that way anymore. We don't have to live under guilt and shame and condemnation, but we can 
we can look at your face and, and, you, and you smile at us and say, son, daughter. I just thank you that you see us, that you hear us, and that you come to our rescue time and time and time again. I thank you that without you, there's not much that's, that's possible. I can't do much on my own, but with you, nothing can stand against me. There's nothing that's too great. There's no vision or mission that's too big or too grand or, or, or out of reach. they're here to pray with you. We're not in any rush. If you have to go, God bless. I love you. Um, but I feel like this is a holy time. And this is a holy place. Amen. Okay, that's going to do it for this week. I really hope that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, why not subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. It really does help. Thanks and have a blessed week.